I mean, don't get me started on the wild whore problem. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Addictive Tickle 2.0. It's showtime. I am your host, Taylor Clark, and I'm here with uh, my... Uh, pr- pr- production. What did we? What was the title? Production manager slash co-host, co-producer slash uh, pr- pr- uh, con- content producer. That was it. Mike Devor, Devoir, au revoir, au revoir, and welcome and hello. Thanks for coming, Mike. Thanks for hopping on board to this uh, crazy adventure we've got cooking. It's going to be a wild ride, and uh, welcome to you, the audience, for joining in on this wild adventure. This is my studio. This is going to be uh, pretty consistent how we look, I think, moving forward. I got a new iPhone. We've got, uh, we're working on GarageBand. My keyboard has all of the buttons working, and we got a new microphone, and uh, we're cooking with gas now, I think. Right out of the gate, uh, if you've been listening, um, some major announcements. There's a, a new lawnmower guy outside. How loud is this? I, can, I don't know. I, I won't be able to tell until afterwards. I mean, that is incre- incredibly loud. It sounds like Jason himself is outside cooking up and frying up some teenagers. Was he a cannibal? Jason what, didn't eat his prey. He just murdered him. Yeah, he's just an old-fashioned hunt-for-sport kind of guy. Oh, Jason, where have you been all my life? Um, some major uh, announcements. I am uh, I'm in the new Thrasher issue, May of Thrasher. This, this month, out in the stores, in the skate shops, you can see little old T scaling around in the pages of uh, the Bible. The Bible. Did you know it was called that, Mike? The Bible of skateboarding. That's what Thrasher is called. And I got in there. I killed that dream over a decade ago. I didn't think I was ever gonna make it into the uh, make it into the pages of Thrasher magazine, but I did it. People liked the old skateboard jokes off my album. Those little videos went viral with just the right people, and uh, got me into the magazine. I'm freaking out. That also snowballs into me. Next announcement: signing with management. Taylor fucking Clark. Uber Eats 12 months ago is what I was doing. And now I'm in a thrasher and I'm uh, managed by a manager. (laughs) A real life manager. Um, It's Excel Forward. They manage mostly pro skateboarders. I am their only comic. We'll see how this plays out. (laughs) I'm very excited about it. It seems like the ideal management company for me and what I'm trying to do with my career. So holy shit, huh? How about them apples? Um, The coolest thing that's about to happen is I'm going to drop the online uh, interview in Thrasher, hopefully in the next, you know, three to five weeks with uh, a full part. So far, most of the way confirmed (laughs) that that is definitely happening. I've got a full video part that I've been filming with uh, my good buddy Primo Skates. Check him out on Instagram, sick filmer. We've been working on this part kind of uh, 
was going to be mostly just going to be in his video that he's working on. I've really only had video parts and homie videos. But this one, we're just going to, you know, film new footage for his video so that I can release all my new footage now for Thrasher. How fucking rad is that? Um, and it's pretty good. I'm not just saying pretty good for a 36-year-old man who drives for Uber Eats. I'm saying it's pretty good for a regular man who drives for Uber Eats. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm going to try to throw a big party when it comes out. I'll invite everybody who's watching, um, but you uh, can't come in real life. <laughs> it's going to be like an online streaming thing. Uh, we're going to, you know... We're going to promote it as best we can. Uh, and in person, it's going to be like friends and family. Hopefully, I can link it to some sort of live show. I'll have been fully vaccinated at that point. I'm half vaxxed now. Uh, and I'm excited to get my second vax. You got fully vaxxed. You're, you're two doses in now. That's right. Double dosed. And you got fucked up yesterday. That's great. Um, I do have COVID. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, I got uh, I got negative tests. I got half a vax. I'm looking pretty solid to start a real tour, and that is the next announcement. <laughs> I'm going on tour, baby. I made an episode a couple episodes back, and I'm sorry for you guys who have been listening for a while. All 56 of you, or however many people there are that have been listening to my past episodes. I made an episode called the Hypothetical 2021 Tour, but now it's not hypothetical. We're locking in venues, and pretty soon we're going to announce those venues and start selling tickets, and I'm going to be out there touring, doing comedy, and skating Dream Come True. I'm freaking out a little bit, but not all the way. And that's what's important. I'm not spiraling out of control. And if you, trust me, you guys, if I do spiral out of control, I'm just going to be live. You guys are going to see it. I'm going to I'm gonna sizzle out in a blaze of glory. It's kind of contradictory. Sizzle out in a blaze of glory. Can you do both those things? Yeah. Well, if anybody can, it'll be me. And you guys will get to see it. But I think I'm going to be able to hold it together. So far, so good. Um, other than that, let's talk about what else is fucking going on out there. Uh, since my last episode, I think, I think my last episode was about the insurrection. So not, (laughs) what's happened since then is pretty much everyone's been vaccinated. I haven't made, I haven't made an episode in a while because I've been skating so much. Um, I've dislocated my shoulder again. I think probably two times since my last episode. We should start a count. Whoever ends up editing this will have amount of times Taylor dislocates his shoulder between episodes. What is it like the Simpsons, like, you know, amount of days since last accident? We need that up here for my fucking shoulder. I spent all my life ruining my lower body, like ankles. I destroy my ankles. Luckily, my knees are okay. My hips are all fucked up. And I've spent years basically rehabilitating my lower body, thinking that the upper body was a given. It'll it'll stay fine, right? But now my I, I feel like a Lego man. My shoulder pops out at random. The other day I was just doing nothing and I just, my lo- lo- shoulder 
bones all locked up in just the right way and out it popped. And I've, this is the plague of a dislocated shoulder because once it happened once, it just keeps happening super easily. And now that's me. I'm the guy who, who, you know, is walking his dog and gets a yank. And then I have to ask the guy mowing my lawn to fucking pop my shoulder back into socket before it swells up and I'm crippled for the rest of my life. Um, but you know, it comes with the territory of skateboarding. You're doing jujitsu. Yep. You get it. Yeah. It could, they're injuries. It kind of comes with the territory, right? Yeah. How long have you been doing jujitsu now? About a month now. About a month. Yeah. And I already like, uh, have tweaked my knee. <laughs> you tweaked your knee? Yeah. yeah like, I, like I feel like it's going to pop at any moment. Is it, is it crackling? It's not crackling. It's just like, I feel it strained. And like some days, like it, I'll just put a little pressure on it and I'll feel it tweak. And then the other days I'll just walk it and it's fine. So do, I just never know. Do they do anything in jujitsu to help you heal it? Uh, just ice. That's what they say. They, they, that's part of the curriculum. Just say like ice. <laughs> in skateboarding, they don't even say ice. They just say shut up. That's just, shut <laughs> up. Enough. Shut up. Enough. Yeah, Quit yeah. whining. Uh, yeah, there's not enough talk about how to heal your yourself after an injury yeah. in in uh in skateboarding at all. I don't know about jujitsu, but I've been doing like knee and ankle exercises for a long time. You do the alphabet, you do squats, you add weight, and then hopefully you can go back out there and not re-injure yourself, right? The idea is to make it stronger. And with my shoulder, I've been doing that, but I guess like not to the extent that you're, yeah. you're not doing it. To, apparently, <laughs> or maybe it's inevitable. And then at that point, what am I doing? Why bother? Yeah. Just go out there and have someone pop it back into place every six weeks. Oh my God, it hurts so fucking bad. <laughs> and it's really out of body because like your arm, it's like you can feel it just unlock. Like you've never felt so discon- like literally disconnected from your body when your body gets disconnected. <laughs> so... It's up like this, dangling around, and I have to, now that it's happened a few times, I have a whole routine, I'm like, ugh, here we go again, and I have to, like, twist my body like a fucking Beetlejuice character, and, like, twist, you know, and fall back down on it, not on the ground, just, like, I have to shake my body weight so that my shoulder locks back into place, and what's weird, and then I'm fine. (laughs) I feel like my arm is, I mean, it is, it's disconnected from my body, and I'm like, I'm going to lose the feeling in this arm. I'm going to have to cut this thing off. And then it's fine. Hey, you, just like that. Then you just go skateboarding again? Yeah. Is it weird that I now I like it? Like that feeling, like you know how when, like I'm kind of addicted to popping my knuckles? You know, you pop your joints, you twist your back, whatever. Some people do it more than others. I'm a freak about it. I'm, I'm like, a, I give myself, I give people like Vietnam flashbacks because it sounds like machine guns when I walk up the stairs behind them and shit, you know, so I'm so crackly, but my shoulder dislocating was like the ultimate back pop, you know, where you're just like, oh yeah, that felt good. Right. Where you're just like, oh man, I would have paid good money for that. So now I'm wondering if there's anybody I, who could do it professionally dislocate my shoulder and relocate it like what's the dollar on that what would you if i if i came to you you're about to be a dad you need money i'm like i need someone to do this i have a (laughs) i have an asian fetish for shoulder dislocation i know it's a weird combo how much (laughs) i'm trying to think of somewhere you're like why don't you go to someone else but it has to be you so (laughs) i think those are two separate things coming right and i'm like this would be the ultimate it's not sexual at all. all right. 
Unless you want it to be. Unless that then makes that you more likely to do it. Yeah. Unless it's sexual for you. Yeah, well, that's, what you'll, <laughs> that, that's my payment. Right, it's a, so it's a fetish swap. Yeah. So during our, so <laughs> let's say there's no fetish swap, what would it cost? To get someone to dislocate your shoulder and yeah, put it back. That medical bills. Oh, like a like a doctor. Yeah. So you it would have to be a licensed person. Why does it have to be licensed? Well, how else do you prove they know what they're doing? I saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> that, yeah. See, that to me, someone you know, someone who wants this done, that's not that's not enough. I need someone who's like I dislocate shoulders all the time. But like as someone like uh, the way I think about it, it's like I'm going off uh, the 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 rate the the. National rate, like, uh, like uh, even though I have no. There's not a market for this though. What's the national I'm, I'm rate? Establishing it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you're going off of once this is an established demographic of people that want this, and the the marketplace is set. Yeah. Okay. The why, price why, is. Why not set the market yourself? Okay, a thousand bucks. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's affordable for me. Yeah. So perfect. Perfect for me. I'm Every perfect. six months, I spend two thousand dollars a year on. Shoulder on this weird fetish. All right, we're going off the rails. Uh, but that, that's what I'm dealing with right now, body-wise, while I'm skating. But even with a couple of shoulder dislocations, I've managed to uh, to film a pretty decent little video. And I'm still filming. I have another month or so to try to get some more clips and uh, put that thing out. So in a crazy back alley sort of way, I've managed to harvest a skateboarding career out of uh, a couple of viral stand-up clips. So <laughs> there's uh, there's worse, worse, worse ways to get free boards, let me tell you. Um, I wrote a little song. I, it's a half-written. And uh, it's about a mysterious character. Let's see if you guys can, uh, can guess who it is. The song's called the Cuomo Blues. Oh, I don't know what to do. I got the Cuomo Blues. And you know how I got them. Not how you think. Oh, no, not from governing so rotten. I got the blues for something you wouldn't think. I got the blues for one reason I've always wanted to read the news And that's what my brother do Oh, I don't got the blues for any other reason Than wanting to read the news Not for all the harassment and sexual abuse of which I've been accused Oh no, I don't care about that really, that's my brand I got the blues, the Cuomo blues Cause I've always wanted to read the news The end. What do you think, Mike? What a rotten piece of shit, that guy. Can you believe this motherfucker? Governor of New York State? He's like literally a mob boss. And he still refuses to And he won't resign. He wrote the... I mean... Can we just cut to 15 years in the future where there is just like a... 10-year run of slapstick comedies about this time in history because like Donald Trump 
<laughs> Andrew Cuomo, I mean, these are caricatures of bad leaders. They're not even real. They look like they're from central casting. It's un, un, unbelievable. Cuomo wrote the book on how to handle COVID. He really tried to publish the book. I think he did publish it. I think you can buy the book, signature, Andrew Cuomo, uh, How I Solved COVID. What the fuck is that noise? No, I know what it is. What if you were like, I think that's a time machine. <laughs> oh, that's why you're here. That's why I brought you on. You got to identify the time machine noises. wanted to read the news you know he is sad about that because <laughs> like as much power as he has you'll never like fucking ha- you know you'll never have whatever 700 people a night i don't know what cuomo's <laughs> audience size is but it's big enough that I- i'm sure his brother is jealous i'm positive of it oh my goodness all right guys um i did try to go do some stand-up uh, a couple weeks ago. No, a couple months ago now. Fuck. I'm pretty sure this is the first I've talked about this. It has to be. I don't think I released the other episode. But did I... You haven't listened to all my episodes yet. The last one I listened was from the 21st of February. That was my last most recent one. Yeah. Um, do you listen to it? I listened did, to the Did I talk about my car accident? I tried to go do stand-up in Idaho. This is my first gigs back since COVID started. And, uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> I shouldn't have. Glad I did. I know that's, that's hard to square that circle, but let me explain. I'm a, an addict. I want to go do stand-up. That's all I kind of really want to do. And skating. So, COVID's been really hard on me. I've been a homeschool teacher and a babysitter and, uh, you know, stay-at-home dad for a year. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful. Don't get me wrong, but I miss stand-up. So, uh, someone offered me some gigs, some headlining spots. I took them. They were in Idaho where I apparently they have not heard of COVID yet. Uh, I don't know if the news hasn't gotten there. It was it fucking how they missed the memo but uh no masks everything wide open and this is months ago now (laughs) so i uh i kind of knew all that going in but i had it all worked out i was going to this is the sacrifices i was going to do i was going to do these gigs and come home quarantine in my garage for two weeks sponge bathe if I had to to keep from going out I had a whole little studio apartment <laughs> built in here and uh, my son was going to get help from my parents who were going to have to mask up to babysit him uh, outside for almost two weeks <laughs> everyone was willing to do this so that I could go do two fucking gigs in Idaho I did the first gig 17 people, 18 people in the room, whatever it was, all sitting together up front, no masks, smoking, drinking, spitting all over each other. Again, COVID what, right? So I did my gig. It was so much fun. I cannot believe I was able to just fill an hour cold after not doing comedy for that long. I think it's because I've just been listening to my album for a year. (laughs) I was like editing and making videos and stuff. So, uh, 
it went actually great. It was so much fun. I was so excited. I sold merch. We went back to the hotel room uh, with my wonderful feature, Chelsea Toll, who uh, then proceeded the next day on our way to the second gig to crash us into a guardrail uh, because uh, she saw a cop. Uh Whatever. There's a long story. She could fill in the gaps here of what happened exactly, but I'll tell you my side of what happened. I asked Chelsea to feature because she's a great feature. She was going to drive. It all, you know, we're both sober. It was like, you know, sober with weed for me. She's sober altogether. We were coasting. It seemed like a great thing. Uh, she saw a cop, crashes into a guardrail. The cop thought we were trying to flee the scene. Because she was like driving just a little fast. He's like, I'm going to pull them over for speeding. And she was like, ah, no, a cop and just drove us into a guardrail. He thought we were trying to go off onto a side road or something. And maybe she was. I don't know. I still haven't had a full conversation with her since. But what happened was, is uh, the, we got into a car accident. So this was a near-death experience. It was so frightening. The guardrail caved the entire front of the Subaru in like an origami uh, puppet and it barely didn't squish us to death like I watched in slow motion the entire front of the car come caving in around my body and the airbags don't go off and it just stops right before it like gets the squishing part gets to us so I'm like, holy shit, we're alive. And look at Chelsea. I'm like, what the fuck? She gets out of the car and comes around to my side. I realize uh, I've got like, you know, weed in, uh, in you know, around. So I, I put that away. And, and Chelsea's in the passenger seat with the door open. And then she uh, is trying to help me. And that's when I hear um, the cop pull up and go, hands behind your head, uh, back up to the sound of my voice and I can see in the rear view mirror that he has a gun on us. So he's standing in his car with a gun on us and I put my hands up because he's like, you too! He's yelling at us. He's a fat piece of shit cop. He's, I could see in my rear view mirror this is a fucking, the worst Idaho cop to ever be chosen to pull, pull us over. We had just finished an entire fucking hour-long car ride of how much we hate cops. And this fucking happens. Uh, obviously, the cop is reacting in the worst way possible. He holds a gun on us. Back up to the sound of my voice. Chelsea goes first, backing up to the sound of his voice. I am frightened, thinking just like, you know, waiting for the fucking gunshot sound. Right? Because this is what they do. Back up slowly. Don't move, but back up. And move a little, but don't move or I'll shoot. And so you're getting all this conflicting information. Uh, Anyway, I watch too many YouTube videos. And uh, cops are the worst. So we're freaking out. She backs up. She... I don't know. He's asking her what happened. I, she says a bunch of nonsense. And then he backs me up to the sound of his voice. I almost fall on some ice. I go all the way up to his... He puts me in handcuffs and he's like, ask me a bunch of questions. Were you driving? I was like, I'm coming out of the passenger side of the car. No, you know, Um, (laughs) he's like, do you have any marijuana? And he's like looking down at my pants, which are are covered in weed crumbs. (laughs) So I'm like, well, I mean, and he's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And then uh, 
He's like, is it any more in the car? And I'm like, just a little bit. And he's like, not pounds or ounces or whatever. I'm like, no. And he's like, where the fuck? Why did you guys try to flee? And I was like, flee? I don't know what happened, dude. I looked up and we were in a car accident. And now you're pointing a gun at me. You're like, I don't know what the fuck happened. And he's like, all right. And he puts me in the fight. And the more cops show up. No masks. All of them. No masks. They don't give a fuck. Again, COVID doesn't exist in Idaho. They're the dumbest people I've ever met in my life. You know how when you meet someone and you can just see not they're not all there? They don't. They're not connecting obvious dots. <laughs> like it was talking to brick wall. Like it was the just numbskulls, just jockey fucking numbskulls, all of them. And they're duh, 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 what happened, chief? <laughs> I'm sorry to do this offensive voice, but it literally how they sounded. Like well, uh, if they were trying, what's the where's the ticket pad? Yeah. Like it was embarrassing for them. I'm of course like frightened because all these guys have guns on them. These guys are walking around fucking dropping their cell phones with guns wobbling on their hips. And I'm in the back. I'm in their power. I'm in their control. And they're asking me a bunch of questions. I answer all their questions. They're like, all right, here's a ticket for the weed. You're free to go. I get a ride back with the tow truck driver. The tow truck driver is... This is why you never judge a book by its cover because like all these cops are, are you know, dodoing around the fucking crime scene. My car and the tow truck driver comes to get the car. The tow truck driver is also like a caricature of a tow truck driver. He is, you know, he's like six, four big, like so really tall and as wide as he is tall, just like an egg, right? You know, just a V head, no neck, goatee painted on somehow like you know, like, you know, the woolly willies, you look like that kind of beard, you know what I mean? Like with the steel wool on his face and, uh, and, and like six teeth, right? Like get into the car with this guy. And I'm like, you know, finally I can talk to like a human being. I'm honestly so relieved. He's just not a cop. Right. So I'm like, he, you know, telling him, he's like, so what happened? You know? And I tell him the whole story. I get to know this guy. He is a Bernie supporter. He, um, his son's going to NYU. He, he can't wait to go to New York and see all of the Broadway musicals. And I was like, this, this guy is the coolest dude on earth. I was like, see, this is, and I think the worst about the cops and I'm right. And so then I think kind of the worst about the tow driver of, at first, way off, way wrong. You know, that guy's getting ready to get all of his new teeth. That's why they're all out right now. He's telling me, he's like, I know I got teeth are all fucked up, but I have this whole plan. And by the time I go to New York to see these Broadway shows, I'll be fully grinned out, you know? And I was like, you know, no, you just don't know. And he doesn't know. He probably thinks I'm just some weed dealer, right? <laughs> Trying to get out of a car accident, uh, without a ticket. Um, and he was wrong. So, you know, the moral of this story is uh, Chelsea is a good comic and a terrible driver. And don't judge a book by its cover unless that book is a cop. And then you're probably right. I mean, you're probably right. You got to really think about what it takes to want to be a cop. Just put yourself in the shoes of someone. And it's it's got to be a little bit. It's I want that fucking <laughs> a little bit of it, if not all of it, is like, give me that fucking power. And just like that kind of person, if you judge them, like a guy who wants that kind of power, do you want to like that person? Is that the guy, person, lady that you do you want to, you know, be have a gun? <laughs>
not me. I've covered this in uh, almost every episode, and I'll continue to cover it, but I don't think we should defund the police. I think we should reassign the police. I think the police should be responsible for murdering and killing still, which is what they're responsible for. I think they should be responsible for protecting private property, which is essentially what their main job is. I just think that things that they should round up and kill are wild boars. And the property they should be protecting is farmland. Because this is, I mean, it caused billions of dollars in infrastructure damage, these wild whores, hoary pigs, boars. (laughs) I mean, don't get me started on the wild whore problem. (laughs) Um, No, I actually think the wild whores are not the problem. We need more wild whores. I want to legalize sex work, but I think... Uh, the wild boar problem is unique because it's an it's a, you know um, what is it an unindigenous species, and it's uh, causing so much damage. Even this is animal rights group PETA says the only way to deal with this problem of wild boars in this country is actually eradication, and that's PETA. PETA thinks you should literally not harm a fly, but they actually think but unless that fly is on a wild boar, then murder it. That's PETA. You can look that shit up. That's what they think we should do. So why are the cops worrying about anything else? <laughs> this is my thing. We could we can hire regular people to deal with almost all of the fucking normal cop shit that people do. Traffic tickets can pretty much be automated at this point. Like the only reason you need to pull anyone over to actually give them a traffic ticket is uh, to search their car because you fucking feel like it, you know? It's otherwise, mail it. Like, put up a camera, mail that fucking ticket if that's the thing. (laughs) Like, we don't need cops to do anything but kill pigs. And once the pigs are gone, wouldn't that be great? Pigs on pigs, right? Like, I mean, you can write these bumper stickers all day. But, uh, (laughs) and, and that way, cops also get to keep doing what they do best. Kill things that don't, you know what I mean? That don't deserve it. It's not the pig's fault. Unfortunately, you know, they're, they're wild they're actual monsters. I'm hoping this is the first time a lot of people are seeing this show because I have talked about this in such length almost every episode. This, but, is, your, uh, kid. this is like the hill I'll die on. Is like, <laughs> like, like, we got to kill these pigs and uh, cops are the only people really qualified to do it. To really do it. They have military-grade equipment. They can, you know... Just like they would, just pretend that we should just say the pigs are doing a BLM protest every night in the woods. That's all we have to do. We just got to start putting picket signs around the, the the boars territories and just start calling nine one one on them. Right? We just got to get. We, this also puts a lot of Karens to work. If this plan works, we just hire all the Karens to to. Uh, no, we we troll the Karens. Right, you find out who all the best Karens are in any given area that has a boar problem, and then you tell them about the BLM protest in the woods every night, right? Yeah. And you describe them as pigs, but they're so racist they just hear what they want to hear. You know what I mean? These hairy, you know, fucking wild, you know, they're massive fangs and stuff, and they're like Mexicans. Got it. <laughs> And then the Karens will call the cops and they're relentless, right? So the cops will respond and then they'll have no other choice because the wild boars will try to attack them. So, and that's what their whole thing, right? Ah, I was in fear for my life. So maybe we can actually make this happen through just the uh, like specific kind of trolling. We just troll the right people. (laughs) 
And we don't actually have to start a movement where we try to reassign the police. We can really just just troll the right Karens <laughs> into using the police, like baiting the police into killing the force. It's about what gets the job done. It's not about like actually making a point. And it's also feeding the ecosystem. Karens love calling the cops. Right. Everybody gets to do what they do best. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we're at a shortage of meat. Like we could, you know, essentially, you know, eat all these pigs. <laughs> I mean, I'm a vegetarian, but if it keeps, you know, the uh, the cow uh, the, the the cow industry down, right? Whatever it takes out big cow, I'm down with. So if this also helps take out big cow. Right, that's how, that's my, I mean, Pete is on the same page. I will do that, I'm on the exact same thing. I, I'm fucking pretty much, I'm good. I mean, I would say I'm not a full vegetarian vegan. I go 90% even, but I, you know, Eddie Pepitone has the best joke where he's just like, I'm vegan until I drive by a rib place. And I'm similar, except it's like Chick-fil-A on the road. <laughs> Not like Chick-fil-A is like the worst company, but I would still say they're better than McDonald's as like a, as a company, like what they, their net. I mean, I'm sure they have a very hard, like net negative on the world as a whole, but I think it's probably less than McDonald's. Maybe. And that's just the length of time, but I will say their employees are nicer, (laughs) treat seemingly treated better. And as a customer, I feel like I'm getting a better product and better service at a Chick-fil-A than I do at McDonald's. That's, I mean, that's undebatable. And uh, obviously, like, Chick-fil-A hates the gays, right? That's the way everyone protests um, Chick-fil-A, which is awful. But McDonald's hates everybody, right? They are literally killing us (laughs) as fast as they can. They cover up murder, I don't know. I'm sure Chick-fil-A has murder on their track record, but McDonald's has like a lot of murder, like a lot of people who who, who they've killed. I'm not backing any of this up with facts. You guys are listening to the wrong podcast if you want that information. You look that shit up yourself. Uh, but they, they have, their track record is full of a lot of people dying on their watch and then being like, they were meth addicts. I mean, that's just from Fast Food Nation alone I learned that. A Hollywood movie. And that's where I get my facts. Like a good American. (laughs) Like a good American, I watch TV. I get everything I know and see from that. I listen to the news, but just to hear the facts I want to hear. I don't like the news. I don't like the news when it tells me things. I don't want to know. I only like the news when it tells me about Avengers movies that are coming out. <laughs> um, uh, none of that is true. I listen to uh, like 4,000 lefty podcasts a week, so <laughs> my brain is corrupted with a whole bunch of other crazy shit. <laughs> I got lost. I'll tell you what my come to Jesus moment was, and it wasn't Jesus. Uh, not real, but I... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> it's I mean come on but <laughs> not real the 
the my come to Jesus moment was actually uh, I mean I I came I remember looking around at church when I was like six years old and there the preacher was talking about the Bible and like talking about what's real and not real heaven and hell. And I read books at six and seven. I was very familiar with the world of fiction and make believe and the use of an imagination. And I was looking around like, come on, this is a made up crazy. I can make up better stories than this. And looking around the room and seeing all these grownups being like, (laughs) and I was like, I maybe I'm missing something. I think I was an atheist essentially, or at least agnostic since I was like, uh, six or seven years old, but my come to Jesus moment was actually the 2012 conspiracy. Now, you do you remember the Mayan Aztec calendar? All right, so I fell down that rabbit hole. That was my QAnon. That was my flat Earth. Okay, that was my 9/11. That was everything. I thought for sure, and this was after 9/11. <laughs> it's kind of ironic, but I. Uh, I thought it was, I just didn't know if it was going to be real, but I was kind of like, I think maybe it is. Like, I watched so many videos that obviously fully designed to fucking hypnotize me, uh, got me like on the edge of my seat in panic mode the the night of whatever it was, December blank blank 2012. It didn't happen, obviously. And that's when I was like, maybe all of this uh, is bullshit. <laughs> maybe, maybe a lot of the other crazy conspiracy shit I believe is bullshit. And that's kind of when I went from being a conspiracy theorist to a corruption assumptionist. Now, this is very different because a conspiracy involves secrets all over the place, whereas corruption is like exactly the same thing. <laughs> But it's more digestible. Like if you just assume there's corruption, you don't have to theorize about what it is. You know, you could just assume it's corrupt. And that is a way, it's a nicer pill to swallow. And it's, uh, you're, and you're pretty much playing on the right side of history that way. Uh, you can't be like, I don't think, you know, the conspiracy can get so fantasized whereas corruption is meat and potatoes you know there don't have to be shape-shifting aliens and i love that theory i fucking i've read every david ike book okay guys like again i children of the matrix all i was all into this shit um and i did pull actually value out of a ton of that stuff but almost the same way i would pull value out of good fiction right like <laughs> it's uh, it's all you know. There's all value to be drawn from uh, from any good art, and it, at the end of the day, you know, it was a it was a well written, it was a fun book. So, but David Icke, I, I think, is probably nuts. Do you know who I'm talking about? Nope. He's the guy who the whole shape shifting reptilian thing. You've heard that yeah, yeah. that uh, uh, fan fictionized fucking uh, conspiracy theory. That's David Icke. Okay. He you know, and he really fucking believes it, but. The meat and potatoes of a lot of his conspiracy theory, it comes down to corruption, right? It's like, all right, so this is corrupt, and it's most corruption is pretty fucking on the surface. You can crack through it. You know, you're like, oh, you know, the fucking, uh, which companies are being subsidized by the government? You know, which companies have spend the most money on lobbying, right? It's like, okay, that smells like corruption in it. Like on the surface, it is right. It's like they're supposed to do what's right. They're doing what's wrong. Why it's corrupt because this and that, 
You can put these pieces together. It's easy. Now, if you want to be a conspiracy theorist, you can be like, now that guy lives in another dimension and that guy is a fucking uh, a, a Russian spy and you can get it gets real fun after that. And this is why it's hypnotizing is because it's like Star Wars or, or the Avengers or something like that where like you get to explore the worlds of like fantasy and science fiction and it's like on the news every night. <laughs> It feels very real, and because it's so fun, you want it to be true. Because you get to hold your little secret truth that only you and your, you know, because you're awake and you understand stuff better than regular people. I fucking was right there, and I was like, and that's why on 2012, I'm going to be with my loved ones. Uh, But obviously nothing happened. So if you're a corruption assumptionist, you get to, I think, still pay attention to what's wrong and point it out and call out bullshit. Like, for instance, the whole QAnon thing is uh, believes that everything is run by a child sex trafficking cult. Now, let's be honest. In the news, they do this. These QAnon crazies, can you believe they believe that there's people in power involved in human trafficking? I mean, what the fuck is wrong with them? All right, our next story. Ghislaine Maxwell is uh, in trial right now. Uh, da, da 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 Famously, Jeffrey Epstein uh, w- went to fucking pedophile island with fucking Bill Clinton, an ex-president. Okay, so do you think, uh, let's say, human trafficking, let's just be honest, is it an industry? On paper, yes or no, is sex trafficking an industry? It is, right? It's a it's in the black market, let's say, right? Yeah. Right? Okay. So, would you think you'd have to be like pretty powerful <laughs> to like keep something like that like under wraps? Do you think like an industry that dark uh, probably has people of power involved? Where do people of power go? I don't know, politics, government. So, this isn't queuing on people being crazy. This is queuing on people using their fucking own two eyes. And then people telling them they're crazy. And so, of course, the, and the only people who are going to be like, I don't think you're crazy. Um, I just also, th- but so why don't you come over here and click on my website? I don't think you're crazy. Why don't you come over here and I'll tell you exactly what the fuck you want to hear. And then they con all of these people who have essentially just been pushed away by mainstream media and society into cults. Because these are cult leaders. I, you guys, look, all of it, it's just cult leaders being like, okay, I'll tell you everything you want to hear and only I have the truth. Any good cult leader, this is what they do. I know what's up. I know the truth, but only I know, right? And if you listen to me and only me, you'll find the truth or salvation or fucking Whatever the fuck you want. And so is it any mystery why all of these QAnon people are evangelical Christians, a vast majority of them, because they already believe, like, essentially, they're already in a cult. So it's really easy to be like, okay, if you guys are already in this cult, let me just sprinkle a little bit of my culty shit on here, and then you'll come come into my fold, and I'll get all of your fucking money and attention, and I'll have the power. Again... You're being called by another powerful person. Even that fucking QAnon documentary on HBO <laughs> ends with a fucking... Uh, did you watch it? 
The QAnon documentary ends with the guy being like, and trying to, the guys who run the 8chan website, it ends with them, him being like, I think the guy who runs the 8chan website is Q and drawing his own like coincidental conclusions about it. And it's like, you, and never the entire time do they acknowledge that there is a sex trafficking industry. Like, you know? just it's just like, can you believe these crazy people believe this shit and they were manipulated this way and that way? And then this is the history of how like online uh, <clears throat> culture turned into like alt-right, far-right culture. Where they're like, <clears throat> these certain websites was led to 4chan, which led to 8chan, which was like basically mainly focusing on like freedom of speech stuff. So then like alt-right, far-right kind of people get in. And then like uh, this mysterious Q person starts manipulating them. And it's like, I guess, like, that cue was probably whoever was manipulating it. But all of the systems leading up to it, you know, fucking Fox News and social media in general, like, to leave so much out of the picture and focus on this mystery guy who's running it as, like, the villain was just so fucking misdirected and manipulated, especially when there is... <clears throat> These people are concerned about an industry that is real. <laughs> like, yes, human trafficking and sex trafficking, these are real industries and they're really fucked up. And so you demonize anyone who's like, I think powerful people are involved as like a psycho conspiracy theorist. Then, of course, the industry, the media will never focus on it, even the real shit, because now it's all blacklisted as conspiracy theory. And you can't even hide it. This is why, like, the Jeffrey Epstein thing, to me, is, like, the biggest story in our generation. Like, it's... <laughs> it's just kind of getting swept under the rug. I mean, try as they might, right? It seems like they do. He literally died in jail. It seems like an obvious blackmail operation. They, and this was, I mean, there's a lot of stories about this. Again, I'm not going to cite specific stuff because I'm an idiot, and I, I might be making half of it up, but there are... are I am cute. This is like every, that's like almost hack now, right? To just say you're cute. Uh, but there's lots of stories about politicians, corporate power, uh, being blackmailed for being gay throughout fucking American history, right? Like they would hold being gay as a blackmail, uh, uh, like option for many of famous people and politicians in Hollywood too, Right. And it feels like 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 uh, they've had to like double down on some of the craziest shit. I mean, like secret societies, a lot of it was like blackmail stuff. Like even frats, like it was blackmail, right? They get you to fuck a turkey leg, and then they take a photo of you, and then when you run for office, like I got this fucking photo. You better you know build a new wing on our fucking college or whatever. And you know <clears throat> now it's you know pedophilia and fucking underage children and sex trafficking and shit like that. So even if those some of the people who went to fucking Jeffrey Epstein's islands weren't fucking pedophiles, they just got the right photo and were coaxed into it or whatever. Um, then now they're fucking forever in like the pocket of whoever was fucking on the other end of Epstein's operation, right? Um, all of this is just to say, uh, just this is all just corruption assumption and stuff. This isn't conspiracy stuff, right? This is just like fucking black and white shit that I, you, anybody can really, you know, look at and assess. And I'm not even making theories, right? Like just, this is, I'm just fucking citing, you know, headlines from the news. Yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, but I'm kind of tired of uh, you know fucking <laughs> just that one detail not being acknowledged in all of the talk about QAnon. Just that not not even Jeffrey Epstein, none of it. Just but let's but is it an industry? Like it does happen, right? Like it does happen. So should like so who is it then? So who is at the top? Like who is in charge of this? Instead of being like, okay, enough, you crazies, be like, well, you know, they are obsessed with this industry that is real. So um, actually at the FBI, this is the name of the people who are in charge of investigating stuff like that. Like, what do they have to say? What is the status? Who are the most powerful people who've been caught in this industry? Who, you know, like, wouldn't that be better? And, um, and that's who we have on the show right now. Here's my guest, uh, former CIA director in charge of the pedophilia unit, uh, Michael DeVore. Hey. And that did. That's why I brought you on as the co-host. You worked in the military. <laughs> oh man, I went off on a fucking tangent there. I think it's because I just watched this QAnon documentary. Um, and uh, and also I feel for 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 fucking cult cult members <laughs> because I feel like I've gotten out of cults just by the skin of my teeth a few times, and uh, I I really I would love to like shake some logic. Uh, into a lot of a lot of these believers, you know what I mean. But when you when you get to someone's religion, man, you can't. I mean, that is like so embedded in most like people that come to Jesus later, you know, come to another religion. I that is a way harder thing for me to wrap my head around versus someone who's just been in a religion their entire life, and then you can kind of. Like Stephen Colbert, who for the most part seems like an atheist, but he is like, will refuses to call himself anything but a Catholic. He's like a born a Catholic. So it's like you draw your value out of it. You keep this stuff. You throw out this stuff. You remain, quote unquote, religious for almost lack of a better word. More power to you. You're not hurting anybody. I, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to saying you're in a cult if that's your practice. But when you're like, this is the answer, this is the only book that has it, and your book is wrong, and you're going to hell, those that's cult shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's one thing to like say it out loud, and another and another to act, just like believe it quietly. But, but at the end of the day, you guys are you're in the same cult as the guy who's who's saying it all the time. Uh, and there's re- other religions all over the world. I mean, that argument alone seems to, you know, kind of hurt your argument uh, against why you are in your religion. Because if you were just like born in fucking Iran, you would probably not be that religion. <laughs> so why does that person's wrong and yours is right? And I mean, that that arg- argument obviously is as old as, uh, as old as time. That being said... It's hard to shake someone out of a, like a QAnon style cult, and I have these family members who have fucking are in it. Do you do you know? Are you anybody in it nope. on your side? Nope. Are you religious, Mike? I'm not. As I sit here and offend no, you wildly, you're like, I'm a Mormon. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a QAnon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, like, I've never been a part of a religion or a cult, but I have been sucked into multi-level marketing. Like, Boot. Same. Yeah. These are similar cults. Yeah. I was in the real estate cult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I also, um, you know, sold coupons and my brother did the Nutribullet. Okay. Was that it? And uh, even Greenpeace is kind of <laughs> a multi-level marketing strategy. Okay. What was your multi-level marketing? Advocare. 
Advocare. And you believed it. I, I thought the... The answer. Not, I didn't think it was the answer, but I honestly felt that, like, uh, like I, I felt that the product was worth it, but then when I started, like, getting more, it's like, oh, you have to, like, get three people into, like, uh, selling the, the product. Do you remember the first cu- people you tried to talk to about it? Yeah. And I just... I, 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 midway through, I started to feel like, ah, I don't, I don't want to push this on anybody. <laughs> through i was just like ah like you know you're starting to ask questions and i'm i'm starting to see the error of my <laughs> you're like these are questions i should have asked yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I worked in sales for so long when i my friends and people i know have fallen into like multi-level marketing uh, scams i i'm so all ears because I love hearing it, you know, like, and poking the holes myself and also being the guy who gets to save them. Yeah. Uh, I got, almost got into Amway twice. (laughs) And that one's like, if you're going to get into one, that's might be the one because there is like, uh, so many, so many out there and there's so many products. I actually work for Amway (laughs) still. (laughs) This is how this is a perfect example of how that cultish thinking can infect you for life. Like I sold T-Mobile phones when I was a, like 18, 19, no, 21 years old. And I was in the mall slanging T-Mobile, doing the my faves, selling why T-Mobile is the best. And my wife is about to hop onto my plan right now. And I did not miss a beat. We were debating between AT&T and T-Mobile and I was like, it all comes down to customer service. And it was like right back into, the, I might as well have been like, and this is why your my faves plan is going to save you more money than Verizon. And uh, I still am kind of in the T-Mobile cult. I'm kind of in the Mac cult, right? Where you're like, look, I've already chosen my religion. It's this. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to. It took a lot of time and effort and mental energy and strategy. And this I've chosen as the right one. (laughs) Like when you pick something and you choose it as like the right one and it actually doesn't feel like a choice because it's right. And once you're convinced that something is right, convincing you other outside of that becomes, I mean, like a near a mission impossible style uh, movie. You almost can't do it. And this is why people who come out of religions, um, I, I'm so, we magnetize, we're like magnetized to each other because, uh, because of that, because it's like you've become like more attuned and wide open to being wrong. It's not even like I'm woken up. It's like, no, 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 no. I've realized I know nothing and I will be on this constant path of discovery for the rest of my life and I don't plan on ever (laughs) establishing anything as 100% correct again because that has led me to more torment and torture than I ever care to have in my life again. And I believe, you know, that's what's right. Uh, of course, I don't believe that 100% either. I think I think we're about good. How much time have we done? We've done 55 minutes. Perfect. Oh my God, my in- internal clock is finally working, Mike. Um, great. Awesome. I hopefully um, uh, next week, or no, this is a plan, and I'm going to make a promise right now that we are going to do two of these a week. There is no reason why I can't sit down right here at my house at some point and make two a week. 
Uh, they're all going to be amazing, every single one of them. <laughs> they're going to be next level, as good as this one was and better. We got a good. We got a, we got all of our segments in. Uh, my big segments, Mike. You're new to this show, <laughs> but it's uh, the idea is that there's always a, a, a song or two, a long story, and uh, some world saving ideas. So we got my pig on pigs back. I came up with my another episode was uh, I think Gretchen. Um, fuck. God, what is her last name? Greta Thunberg. 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 I think she should host Shark Tank with a couple of other uh, like you know environmentalists and scientists, along with like Mark Cuban. And the only people who are allowed to pitch from now on are people that are pitching world-saving ideas. That as uh, that would work, you know, and then they put money behind it every episode. So every week, another world saving idea gets funded instead of just another cookie, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So we got my pigs on pigs. We got uh, Greta Thunberg Shark Tank (laughs) and uh, um, the Cuomo Blues. (laughs) I I did have another world saving idea, but. Let's just, this is, this is the first episode, Addictive Tickle 2.0, episode one. So that we packed it full of world-saving ideas uh, this episode, even though both of them are repeats. Um, but we're going to be coming in hot with new freshies at the future episodes to come. So thank you guys so much. Keep your eyes on my website. I finally got my t-shirts. That was the last thing I wanted to announce. One sec. These are my tees. They come in all sizes. Order them from my website, uh, taylorclarkcomedy.com. I got to get in here. I just almost sat like I was trying to do like a uh, bathing suit modeling audition. Um, so uh, buy my t-shirts and uh, they come in all sizes. I'm fucking super hyped about them. That's it. That's all. That's all, all my announcements. Hopefully I'll have my live dates up very soon. I'm just starting to book out my calendar, so keep your eyes on that. Mike, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I'm just coming here to help out and make this podcast uh, reach. Did I knock something loose? What the fuck? You hear that buzzing? Oh, anyway, guys, thank you guys so much. TaylorClarkComedy.com. Mike is the fucking best. I'm so excited to have you on board, Mike. Seriously, this is a game changer. Um, I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week or later this week whenever the next one comes out good night oh thanks for coming thanks for coming to Addictive Tickle 2.0 episode (laughs)